Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Just be single. 
you know, if you see a person who's single, there seems to be some idea that they're not happy. It seems to be some idea that, you know, they need your help to find somebody. And, and you know, you have those pushy, busybodies who's always trying to play matchmaker, uh, you know. And, and a lot of times they don't do their homework. And in this particular story, that was the case. You know, the homework wasn't done, if you will. And, you know, the the person who was trying to, you know, set up her friend didn't realize she was setting the friend up with, you know, the widower who was really still aching over his wife's uh, death. And, you know, despite that there's nothing wrong with that, if you're not ready to date, you know, it may not be all over you. You know, you may not wear that on your sleeve. So that's why, you know, we need to just let God be God. And, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, some of the best marriages have come from matchmaking. But uh, not all the time. Not all the time. You know, just kind of fall back and don't be so pushy. You know, did you pray? Did you pray and ask God about this particular, you know, matching and pairing up that you are, you know, getting involved in? You know, we talked about, you know, this domestic violence issue and, you know, the fact that it it doesn't only stay contained to your family or to the people that, you know, are immediately involved, you know, because... You know, there was a scene where, you know, the man was abusive, you know, outside in the open public. You know, there was an intervention, and it wasn't a nice one. You know, it was a, it was one that may have been a little noble because you stepped in, but he didn't step in in the best way. You know, he it, you know, to the side of violence. And, you know, this is already a violent and volatile situation, you know, and what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? You're going to add to the woes of the situation? You know, it would not be the smartest thing, you know, to do. And, And not only that, it also goes to show how this domestic abuse and domestic violence spills out. It's so bad, it spills out into the open. It's broken into the public where people don't even care anymore that they're abusing you openly. You just got to endure it because that's that's when it's coming out in their world. So, you know, that that's one of the other things we discussed. You know, more to the, the, uh, the, the main story, you know, of the two brothers, you know, where there was some money exchanged, you know, you know, from the brother who was in the street. You know, he, he wanted to give money to his brother to aid the church. And again, you know, one might think that that's noble and nice and, you know, we want to give, you know, money to the church. But do you really bless the church when you've already killed off the community? Or in the in, in at the same time, you're killing off the community. Are you really able to bless the church with that same dollar? 
You know, the dollar's tainted. The Bible speaks of ill-gotten gain. And we do have to be concerned as to, you know, where the money is coming from. And, and is, is this something that we should be accepting and now putting into the church? And, you know, more to the fact of, you know, the, the, this uh, the one who's in the street, you know, he's, how do you say it? He's conflicted. You know, more of a prodigal son, partially, <laughs> You know, throughout the movie, you know, he's he's asking for prayer. He's asking to be covered in prayer because he understands that, you know, the life he's living and the decisions he's making, he's not comfortable with. And isn't that life? Isn't that what we go through when, when the seed has been planted and, you know, now it's being watered and we can't help what it does? Because that's what it's designed to do. Amen. Oh, that's what it's designed to do. And, you know, so you have now, you know, those busy bodies yet again in the church who see this monetary exchange and, you know, get themselves involved and want to out the pastor. And, you know, at the end, and I'll kind of go there because you need to, you know, go back and watch it, you know, at the end, you do have an altar call, and you do have those who, you know, are answering the call that's being put out there. So, you know, if you will, a happy ending. And, you know, what do we say? You know, I think that the highest we got was a three, <laughs> a three stars out of five. And Shantish reduced her her rating to two and a half for one of the bloopers in the movie. But go go take a look at it and, and, and see what you think of it. Maybe you'll like it and maybe you'll recommend it to someone else. Again, the movie is A Heart That Forgives and <clears throat> starring um, Malik Whitfield. Starring Mario Mims and Carl Anthony Payne the second. Just in case another movie comes up, you need to make sure that you're looking at the right one. Okay? Okay. Well, today is Wow Wednesday. Woo! We're halfway through the week. God is amazing because He has brought He has brought us thus far, straight into the middle of the week, and we're giving him thanks for doing so, today is ladies day over here on his due time, and last night, before we go any further, last night, I was really blessed to be invited on to Pastor Vinny and Pastor Brenda's uh, prayer. They have a prayer podcast out in Daytona Beach, Florida, and it's called Prayer 911 Daytona. And I was on their broadcast last night, and it was such an honor to be invited 
to be a part of, you know, their ministry. And, you know, Pastor Vinny is now a part of the Due Time crew. And they were very welcoming and encouraging, very encouraging. And, you know, what a blessing. What a blessing. And I thank all of you who tuned in to support Pastor Steph. It's it's different on that side of the microphone, you know, being asked the questions. <laughs> nice and interesting. You know, just, just being able to kind of fall back a little bit and not have to think, you know, so hard. Yeah, you got to think about these things. You don't have to think so hard, but yet, you know, just answer. So, I pray that I did the, uh, you know, the time on their, you know, broadcast some justice. And they were happy with the presentation. And they're celebrating six years. So, amen, amen, amen. They are a force to be reckoned with. They have wonderful personalities, and it is a blessed broadcast, and they're on for an hour. So I invite you and encourage you on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time to go and listen to them again. Their podcast is, or their broadcast rather, is... Let me make sure I get it right. Prayer 911 Daytona. And you can, you know, hand in your prayer request. And they are fantastic. They are really fantastic. Very warm, very loving, very encouraging, really. And they give updates. You know, they give praise reports, you know, for for their prayer. You know, so you've been able to follow the progression of a person's situation, whether it was, you know, something to do with their health or anything personal they may be praying about. And they do come back and tell you, you know, how the person's doing. So that's 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 a fantastic uh, follow-up. All right? All right. So, again, that's our Pastor Vinny who comes on. He's going to be on our month, uh, first and third Fridays. We had the pleasure uh, being with him last week Friday and he was a fantastic addition to our men, uh, Pastor KL and uh, Brother Al and you know you would have thought he had been on with us you know for a while because he didn't seem like that was his first time so go back and listen, go back and listen go back and listen, I think you really you really enjoyed, they gave us a, a nice thought provoking a segment to go into the weekend and, you know, to push, you know, to, to, to push us into, you know, thinking about some things. And it was a really interesting dynamic uh, split last week of thought. So, you know, giving God thanks for everything he does over here on his due time with Pastor Steph. He's expanding our territory. He's expanding the due time crew. We have a new addition to the uh, due time crew this morning. And, you know, we pray that it's a permanent one. And, you know, hey, look at what God is doing. So we got to get our morning started. I'm sure our girlfriend Vivian is rearing to go. So 
Go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And make sure you go nowhere because we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Hill Harper. On CSI New York, you see me solve murders with science. This time I need your help catching a killer before it strikes again. I'm talking about colorectal cancer, often referred to as colon cancer, which takes nearly 50,000 lives every year. And each year, more than 145,000 people are diagnosed with colon cancer. It is the third leading cancer killer among men and women. But this is one form of cancer that is largely preventable with regular screening and is treatable with early detection. African Americans are particularly at risk and should ask their doctor about getting screened starting at age 45. Let's catch this killer together. Colon cancer is preventable, treatable, and beatable. For more information, go to screenforcolancancer.org. This message brought to you by the American Society for Gastrointestinal Endoscopy and Fujinon Endoscopy, a division of Fujifilm. Colorectal cancer, preventable, treatable, beatable. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining me this morning as we have been blessed enough to have been ushered into the middle of the week. God is so good to us. And, you know, while others are struggling, to figure out, you know, how they're going to make it, because it's hump day for them. It's wild Wednesday for us. Yes, and we're celebrating who God is and what he's done and all the good things that, you know, we have to face this morning. So, you know, without further ado, let's get to our girlfriend, Vivian, and hear our socially conscious segment. Good morning, Viv. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Steph? I am well. Thank you, Vivian. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Good, good, good. What you got for us today? Alrighty. Today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with a kind of an update on the story 
I told here on Socially Conscious last week or so about the police officers wanting customers to be required to pull down their mask before entering a place of business. So now Mayor Eric Adams is backing the NYPD and is requesting that individuals pull down their masks when entering stores and other businesses. This comes as the search for a serial robber who wore a hazmat suit and a face mask to rob at least four stores in the Bronx, Manhattan, and Brooklyn, and who killed a 67-year-old bodega cashier during one of those robberies. So they're still searching for this man, and of course they're having a hard time finding him because, again, he did these robberies while wearing a face mask. So Mayor Eric Adams has given the green light to shape to shopkeepers to deny entry to anyone who refuses to lower their mask. He said, quote, we are putting out a clear call to all our shops. Do not allow people to enter the store without taking off their face mask. And then once they're inside, they can continue to wear it if they so desire to do so. End quote. So I don't know how official the statement is and if stores will actually start implementing this, but it is seriously in talks, especially now that they have this man on the run who murdered someone and robbed several stores while wearing a face mask. So you may want to just get ready, you know, prepare your hearts and minds to walk inside these stores and just be compliant because they are really pushing for this now. Uh, Speaking of Mayor Eric Adams, he is coming out saying that he has a plan to ease the New York City migrant crisis. Reports say more than 50,000 asylum seekers have arrived by bus from the southern border since last spring. But despite these numbers, he says part of his plan is to change from an emergency response to a steady state of operation. He says the first part of his plan is to create a new office of asylum seeker operations. So these will be people who manage all issues regarding asylum seekers. And the second part of the plan is establishing a 24-7 arrival center to replace the Port Authority arrival center that they are currently using. He did not say where or when the new alternative to Port Authority will open, but he has also called out leaders to be a part of the solution, not the problem. Mayor Adams said the city would assist with legal paperwork for asylum seekers, job training, and even resettling them in other host cities when possible. They say there is an estimate that the city spends more than $4.5 million daily care for asylum seekers. Wow, daily. And this is his plan, again, to just open up a asylum seekers operation office where, you know, they will have designated people that will handle the issues that asylum seekers come with. Um, and relocating the 24-7 arrival center to replace the Port Authority arrival center. 
and just making this an operation and not something that's an emergency anymore, but just an ongoing operation. So are y'all still in this plan? What do y'all think about this plan? And as Pastor Steph stated before, it seems like when we talk about things here, that, you know, we start hearing that things are moving in the right direction for the most part. So you have any other thoughts and ideas, please feel free to share them with us because I don't know about this plan. But at least they're thinking about something, I guess. So our next story also has an interesting plan. So they're trying to reduce gun violence by paying gang members to behave. The plan is called the Community Violence Interruption Policy. They say it is a pilot program that was introduced by Syracuse Mayor Ben Walsh. The program calls for the city to pay between 100 and $200 a week to select gang members who agree to participate. Their agreement is to avoid violent criminal behavior. They say that the payments are supposed to, quote, help the gang members with basic expenses so they will start, oh, end quote, so they will start with 50 gang members to begin with. The the program will include mentoring, job training, conflict resolution between rival gang members and therapy, according to an outline of the plan by the mayor's office. The mayor is asking the Common Council for $1 million to fund this program. And again, this is the plan. Now, my first thought is, how is this supposed to make law-abiding citizens feel? Because now you're paying these criminals these gang members to behave. And I'm sure $200 a week could be very helpful to a lot of families. But this is what they're coming up with. I'm, I'm all for thinking outside the box, but, but, but I don't think this is it. This ain't it. Now for our wild story of the week. We are heading to the schools again, y'all. A Connecticut elementary school teacher has been arrested after she allegedly demonstrated a chokehold on her students, causing one of them to faint. It's reported that the alleged incident occurred last month at Brookside Elementary School in Norwalk, Connecticut. The Norwalk Police Department said that it was contacted by the public school on February 24th after a staff member had just rendered a student unconscious. The investigation revealed that 50-year-old Stephanie Sanabria, who was working as a math coach at the school, had demonstrated a martial arts chokehold on three fifth-grade students in the class, and one of the students lost consciousness as a result. They say an arrest warrant for Ms. Sanabria was issued last Friday, and she was taken into custody on $20,000 bond at her home in Danbury, Connecticut. She has been charged with first-degree reckless endangerment, second-degree strangulation, and risk of injury to a minor, according to police. So Santa Bria's initial court appearance is scheduled for March 10th. It's just ridiculous. And the first thing I thought of when I read this, 
And I know these kids is getting real bad. So she just used it. Oh, let me show you this chokehold <laughs> as a as a way to get out. <laughs> as a way to get out some frustration on these kids because it just don't make no sense. You in this class supposedly teaching math. How we get to martial arts chokehold in a math class? It just don't make no sense. It ain't adding up. It ain't adding up. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners. And thank you, Pastor Steph. <laughs> Reckless endangerment, second degree strangulation, and risk of wait, 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 injury wait, 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 to a minor. Wait, second degree strangulation, and what yeah. else? I'm sorry. And risk of injury to a minor. <laughs> Ooh, child. Uh-uh-uh. Girl, you took the door right out of my head. Uh, I want to make sure I have all my other, I think I got it all, but as I always say, great job done. Please stick around just in case we need some clarification. And thank you so much for uh, your socially conscious segment this morning. As always, you find them. You seem to find them. Have a wonderful (laughs) full one, Viv, if we don't talk to you again. All right, you too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Woo! Never, ever, ever cease. It never, never stops being amazed by our our community. Let's say good morning to our ladies as we get our news conversation going on. Let's say good morning to our elder Natisha. Good morning, elder Natisha. Good morning, Pastor Seth. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I'm sure you're refreshed after that powerful prayer this morning. Thank you so much. Wait, say that again? I'm sorry. I said, no, absolutely. God blessed us this morning. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Nice way to wake up. Nice way to wake up. So thank you again. All right, Elder Natisha. We are we are starting with our update. <clears throat> Last week, Vivian gave us the news story that the police department wanted to mandate that we pull our masks down as we go into the stores and then pull them back up, you know, just to make sure that the cameras catch us, somebody sees our face just in the event that there's some sort of crime going on. Well, leave it to, you know, our people. Mm -hmm. You know, they never fail us. (laughs) 
So said, <laughs> so done. And you've got this, you know, masked individual with this hazmat suit who not only goes into the bodega to possibly rob it, but ends up killing, you know, someone who's 67 years old and walks mm-hmm. right into why, you know, we need to, you know, implement uh, a law like this. And, you know, he's still on the run because he was masked. You know, mm-hmm. does, does this prove, you know, do people always give us a reason for a new law or what? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think... It, it really proves that, um, you know, people are coming up with these things not out of thin air but out of necessity uh, because, unfortunately, we will utilize, right, the destruction of pandemic and, and what came out of the pandemic is the need for us to protect ourselves from each other's, you know, germs and transmittance of, of different things. And so now we have this need of this mask, but then we turn the need into something that can be used as a weapon. And I think it's so unfortunate that now we have to now add this. And when we start thinking further about it, we're meaning that, you know, small local businesses, you know, our community stores, um, they're going to have to install cameras and things of that nature. And so, how much is that going to cost them, right? Like if we right. think about bigger right. stores like Macy's, Bloomingdale's, fine. They have the money to be able to, you know, to do those things. But our local community stores now have to install cameras so that they can monitor everyone and try to see the faces of people that are coming into their stores. It's just so unfortunate, and we don't understand that the impact, you know, you didn't just rob a store, but now you've created a precedence by which every now little small little store, every department store has to protect themselves, and we have to create laws now right. to do it. Right. So, right. you know, your selfishness, your greed for whatever your need was, it, it impacts now an entire community, an entire nation, and it's unfortunate. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Lady Tamika, you know, to the points that were just made by Elder Natisha, you know, it, some of the things I thought about last week, I was like, okay, who said that these people have the money to even go out and put these cameras? Then re- now you put them in, now you got to strategically put it at the door and make sure it covers this side, that side. Then you walk in the store, and now they're looking around to see where the camera is. It, it's, it, they, they always have a jump on where and what we're doing, you know, uh, where these things are done and what we're doing. And sure enough, leave it to our people to always end up making a bad situation worse. Correct? Oh, wait, I didn't put her mic on. Hold on, I'm just having this long conversation. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning. I was having a whole conversation by myself. I had some good stuff, too. I'm saying some real good stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How are you this morning? I am well. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. I'm well. You know, the, 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 a bad situation, worse. Uh, definitely. Um, and... Th- 
there's always, that's why we have so many different rules when you think about it. You know, even something as simple as putting something on a, you know, a shampoo bottle, you know, uh, cautions and instructions, because as soon as you get one thing straight, somebody else finds a different way to do something else and cause all kind of havoc for everyone else. This is another reason why, you know, I, I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back why they changed certain things. You know, banks are now closing uh, right after 9 p.m. And that means you can't get it. Well, I don't know if it's in other states, but here in New York, after 9 p.m., you can't get into an ATM. You have access, you have the card, but it's locked. I don't care how many times you swipe that card, you're not getting in. Because there's always something else, something else. Certain restaurants, and not certain restaurants, certain businesses are closing earlier. Uh, they're opening later because there's always somebody else that decides, okay, I want to try something else. You know, and this, 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 uh, stealing spree, not just in one borough. You went around from from borough to borough to to get more. So obviously you weren't satisfied with what you what you got. You continued until you took a life. Mm. You know, which which is where my head was also going. You know, good morning. We have a, a, a new addition this morning, so we want to welcome uh, our minister Michelle to the uh, ladies' forum, and, you know, the, the thought is, you know, you may have gone in there with the intention to just steal, with the intention to just rob, but as always, you can't determine what will ultimately happen. So now you go in for, you know, a, a, a robbery, and now you come out with a murder charge. Good morning, Minister Michelle. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. Good. That's good. I'm that's well, good. thank you. I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. You know, what's your My thought? Pleasure. You know, you go in and the worst thing you think of is, you know, well, I may come out, you know, if I get caught, you know, I'll go to jail for some robbery. No, now you're going to jail for murder. How does that turn out for you? Yes, I was sitting here as I was listening. Um, it's really sad because oh, since COVID, people have really, <laughs> I say in some ways, seem like they have lost their minds, you know, and like you say, the spirit of greed, you know, he couldn't be uh, satisfied just getting away with it one time. He had to keep going. And um, eventually these things began to escalate and and it wound up that he um, killed somebody and it's really pacific and sad that we're living in this type of society. I feel so sorry for the bodega owners and people that are in these uh, stores. It's um, frightening and uh, scary. You know, when you go into a store, you feel like, oh, my Lord, uh, am I going to come out okay? Is someone going to rush in here? It's really nerve-wracking. And I was thinking about the mask situation. I said, okay. I don't mind pulling down my mask, but what I began to think about, the people that are standing at the door, say, for instance, I don't know if it's going to be security or one of the workers that has to look at the person's face, tell the person, put your mask down. Well, you know, we have people that get very belligerent. Um, yep. They decide, yep. okay, mm -hmm. I'm not putting my mask down. Yep. You're not telling me what yep. to do. And then the next yep. thing you know, it will be having fights at the door right. where people do not want to 
take their mask down. And if you remember and during uh, the summer, I was uh, maybe about a year ago when we had to wear the mask in the restaurants, and um, one of the restaurants here in, on Broadway, I think it was, uh, oh, gosh, I can't, oh, the Italian restaurant. Oh, Lord, it, it escapes from my mind right now, the name. But the young lady had required the people to come in there with masks, and they ended up hitting and smacking the major D that was standing at the door because they got wow, so um, wow, wow. belligerent wow. about that whole thing. And so I was wow. thinking, I was like, oh, my God, I understand what they're trying to do. But then this could create another situation where people start fighting and getting upset that they have to pull right. down their mask. I mean, so this whole thing, it's just, it's going to go from one thing to another to another. And at the end of the day, when does it end? And I know they're doing this because they have to catch this man because the chances are of him killing again is very strong. So I understand that this is really a catch-22 in some ways. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the, the, uh, Chartiste is asking, is it Carmine's? Is that the restaurant? Yes, it was Carmine's. That's it. Okay, That's okay, exactly okay. It. Yes. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you, Shantice. Yes, you know, and that that was the other thought that crossed my mind. You know, you're going to have to make this a law. The same way it was mandated that we put the mask on before we go into the store, period. You're going to have to mandate this because if you leave it optional, that's the first thing people are going to throw in your face. First of all, I don't have to wear the mask. Second of all, I don't have to pull it down. You can't make me. And, again, like, you know, as said, Minister Michelle, now you've got this whole new issue that you have these poor people to, you know, to to have to endure because of, you know, the, the, the smaller amount of criminals in this society, but who's made it, you know, really bad for everybody. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. we, we just, again, no matter what you implement, it, or somebody's always got to send it into, you know, a whole different dynamic. The, the next story that Vivian gave was quite an interesting story. So you have <clears throat> this plan to ease the migrant crisis. Well, I before I even get to talking, you ladies even get to talking. You can't ease this crisis. You didn't. This is a monster, and that's it. You can't ease this. This is not going to be something that's going to bed anytime soon. You're not going to be able to make this better. Well, you've got over fifty thousand people who've arrived, and now you want to create an office for asylum seekers. Uh, 24-hour-a-day arrival center to help them, and you're going to help them with legal pa- legal paperwork and to set them up here. You're going to also, you know, try to place them in other cities, which they've done, which they've done. But, again, costing, all this stuff costs. You've got $4.5 million daily. We've had a homeless crisis in this country forever, and y'all could bust out $4.5 million daily, Tamika? Y'all, have they lost their minds? Is it us or is it them, Lady Tamika? Please help me with this one. (laughs) 
prior to the pandemic, I said there's money out there, you know, yes. for every need mm-hmm. that we have, yes. especially as residents who have been here all of our lives, that there is yes. resources out there. And I had no idea how or where it was, but I knew it, you know. And now that the pandemic is out, we see, you know, um, and mm-hmm. our is every dollar being placed efficiently and effectively? No. You know, as, as we can see, you know, how about those who have been here? How about those who, you know, are going to, going to school and going to work and doing what they need to do and living in a car? You know, there are all kinds of dynamics right. that are out there that are not being addressed. And I, I, get, I get it. I understand that, you know, other people have needs. I get it. But take care of home. I mean, how can I yes. effectively minister to those outside if I'm not taking care of home? You know, I, I listened to the news this morning and actually heard the mayor say this is not a New York problem. This is a, you know, a world problem, you know, and the world exists. It's always had. But again, take care of where you live before you, you know, and, and they, all these measures are being taken care of it. Five point something million dollars to take care of people that don't live here. You're bringing resources, you know, bringing resources for them. But I, I, it, it still cautions me about those who have been here that have a need and have had a need and continue to have a need, you know, that are not being addressed. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, Minister Michelle, you're talking about mm-hmm. $4.5 million a day a day times 365 we still have people here who don't eat who can't eat who can't get basic medical bills paid mm-hmm. if you make five cents too much you know I, one, one mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, young ladies that i know just got finished saying to me the other day that she wanted to apply for an apartment but because she made thirty dollars too much and she's a single person. Mm-hmm. She made $30 too much. You know, she can't afford, she can't move into a place that she'd prefer to live in. That's, that's, that's all of, so it's, it's almost like a catch-22 situation. You make $5 too much over here, but you still don't make enough here, but yet you could pull in or, or whip out. Oh, let's say it like that. Whip out $4.5 million for the people that don't live here and haven't contributed a thing. What what are yeah. we doing? Well, you know, uh, first of all, that figure is staggering. I couldn't believe mm. what I what I heard. I had heard on the news as well, and then hearing it again with you saying it's like, oh my God, what in the world? And I wanted to say, I want. First of all, I feel good, but I'm not the only one that feels like okay. I have empathy. For these people, you know, that are coming here, I know they have left some dangerous, hard situations. However, um, what about the people that are here? And that was my whole thought process as well. You know, I think about the elderly. You know, some of them are here eating catfish and dog, I mean, cat food and dog food. And um, yep. what are we doing for them? And they have lived here. They have worked you know, that sometimes right. they barely have enough with their Social Security. And what are we doing for them? I don't have a problem with helping others. But like the lady Tamika said, um, what about taking care of home first, you know? 
And it's we, there's got to be something better than what's going on right now. And I understand, you know, maybe Pat, uh, Mayor Adams wants to, you know, be the um, poster child for how we're dealing with migration, uh, you know, people migrating, and he wants to show I got the plan, but how much is it going to cost the people that live here in New York City, the children, the single mothers, the elderly? How much is it going to cost us? And that is a really concern for me because I remember when my mom was alive and she had worked all her life and she had her pension, she had her Social Security, but even at that with the prices of rent going way up, my mom still would live off of maybe after she paid her bills of rent, she would probably have about $200 to last her to be able to get food and all these type of things. And right. she was constantly in fear of, oh, my God, I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough. And this goes on daily with people, and that's heartbreaking, especially when right. we hear that this type of money is out here. Right. <laughs> right. You can't tell people any longer that, the economy is is bad because the country doesn't have the money. I remember years ago, I used to say, well, can't we just make the money? And, you know, someone said, oh, no, we can't do that. Yeah, right. Well, what are you doing now? You know, Elder Nitisha, you know, um, Minister Michelle brings up the, the fact that, you know, we – we, and we've been talking about this forever, you know, the veterans, the elderly, you know, all these people who live here who don't have, and it's nothing. It's, here's a problem. Here's a problem that I'm having, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, and, and this is what I want you to, to talk about, if you wouldn't mind. We have, they just got finished stopping the extra, the pandemic SNAP benefits. They, they, I think it was this month or February was the last month that they would give the extra funds to the SNAP um, uh, recipients, that pandemic extra money. But now you turn around and people hear. So now you put these people back into the situation where these children are now having difficulty eating again. The families have a difficult a difficult time feeding their families. But now you say, you know, yes, you pay your taxes, but we're pulling it back from you, but yet we're going to take it and give it to these people. Are we in, in, in store for an uproar or what? Because this is the country. It's not just Adams or anybody else. This is the country who's now whipping out these dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is, um, I think that is absolutely the problem because we can all identify areas where that money could be um, mm-hmm. utilized, right? I mean, we think about um, all of our young kids coming out of college and have tremendous debt that they're coming out of college with. Like, could this money be used for education to help, you know, provide free education for high-achieving scholars so that we don't have to come out with debt? I I think about the fact that in my my area of of Korea, uh, there are individuals, we are continuously advocating um, going up to uh, Albany to advocate for cancer patients who have to choose between whether they should live or their quality of life. 
So you have right. tons of patients right. who are paying for chemotherapy but are having to live out of their cars. That's wow, how does that wow, make sense? wow. So, so, wow. so we have all of this additional money. There are over 450 New York City agencies that have been developed by way of different crises that can emerge in a country for us to intentionally add uh, another agency intentionally add to what you have described as um, scarcity as it pertains to government funds, it, just, right. it doesn't make sense. And, and, and even when we, if we look at it for what it truly is, right, like we can all have individual stories that we can speak up to say, well, that money could be better used here. That money could be better used here. Well, when you put all of the stories together, it is a worldwide story. Right. <laughs> it is a worldwide right. story right. With, in, right. with, indi- with individuals who are in their clusters who are able to say, mm-hmm. we need help over here. We need help right. over here. And so I, so the truth is I don't know what the answer could possibly be because from a humanitarian perspective, <laughs> right, even if we didn't want to erect a new agency, um, and, and we didn't want to let these people, let's say, into America because we said, listen, unfortunately, we are already stretched. We, 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 we cannot accept, you know, um, these, uh, these, these people into our country. We're, then what? Then what? Like, what's the answer to the humanitarian right. aspect of this? Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, it still leaves such a big question to be answered mm-hmm. about what do, how, how do we love our neighbor effectively but efficiently at the same time right. absolutely 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 without taking off our coat and being cold <laughs> yes. oh, so now I have to freeze True. to show that I love my neighbor and keep my mouth shut mm-hmm. it's it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Well, is there anything crazier than Vivian's next story? So in order to reduce the gun violence, we are now implementing or would, would like to implement a <laughs> the Community Violence Interruption Program where you're going to pay gang members 100 to $200 a week if they avoid violent behavior. And you're going to start with 50 gang members. And I believe Vivian said $1 million is put into this program. Yet again. Now, <laughs> this one here, Falls within the parameters of our homegrown people. However, however, now, because see, here's my thing. You've been bringing everybody and their mama over here into this country. How many of these people are going to become criminals and now find some other way to live off of the country? But going back, going back, you know, I digress, I digress. Going back, are we paying? Vivian brought up a really good point. He says, how are the normal, everyday, average community people going to feel? Minister Michelle, you have the first leg on this one. 
I know I'm thinking here. Okay. Uh a hundred you said a hundred to two hundred dollars. They're they're oh, trying to give these gang members every week. Okay, yes, now if you behave all, you some, behave well. Right. Well, you know, incentive of the money, okay, I get it. But a lot of these gang members, you know, they're out there selling drugs and they're making five hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a day selling drugs. So the solution of throwing at them a hundred to two hundred dollars, um, I don't know how appealing that's going to be for some of them when they're making that type of money. I mean, you know, it's like uh two hundred dollars here versus a thousand dollars here. Uh nah, I think I'll pass. So I don't know if that's going to work. Now maybe with some of the younger ones that are starting out like fifteen, sixteen, maybe that would appeal to them because they're probably not making that type of money. But when you start looking at the higher ends, the ones that are really sometimes calling the shots, I don't know how effective that's going to work. And then again, we're spending all this extra money that they say we don't have. Um, So I don't really see this as being such a great solution to this whole situation. And like you said, then we have people that have come here, um, the gangs uh, from the uh, the countries like Mexico and different places, I don't think that they're really going to care about that money either because what they've come here and what they've discovered, how they can get away and do certain things and beat the system, as long as there's a way for some of them to beat the system, go in, come out, and they're still able to make their money and do their thing. And I don't know if this is going to change anything, to be quite honest. It sounds admirable, you know, and it sounds like, oh, yeah, we're going to get them, we're going to mention them. And that sounds good, too. But I don't know, like I said, how effective it is. I would say it probably will scoop up some because you do have some genuine guys that maybe want to get out and turn and change. But I don't know about the the vast majority of these gang members uh, turning from their little ways here. I, I, I'm just suspect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Elder Natisha, is this a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Is it a, I don't know. So I have two perspectives of this. So the first, the first perspective I have about this is that um, it's what we've always done, right? It's, it's the, the, same reason, the same way that mothers have children and, you know, are neglectful, can't take care of them, don't have the necessary skills. We've invested money in developing parents to be able to care for their children. So now we have programs set up for young mothers to be able to learn how to parent effectively, right? It's, it's like if these programs have, have – this is not new – We've always erected programs within communities, specifically urban and rural communities, in order to aid that community. Now, from that perspective, I think that this is a great plan. When we go into communities where there is a perpetuation of violence and so that every child that is born into this particular community, it's almost like joining a gang is what is normal because there's nothing else within that community that would get them um, that would expose them to better living, to a better lifestyle. Uh, you know, when, it, I mean, I forgot, there was a community that we talked off 
um, on the show, and we talked about the gang um, violence, and we talked about the fact that in this particular community that there were more gang members than there were police officers. I don't know if y'all in remember Chicago. that. But, well, in Chicago, in, yes. yes. Oh, mm-hmm. we are moving. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus is really up to something, huh? <laughs> but, but, so, but so when we think about it, right from that perspective, then having a program like this, it allows for a way out for the younger generation, right, to, to, to find some skill development because it wasn't just that we're going to pay them, but it was also counseling. I was like, yes. When she said that, I was like, that's amazing. Um, job development, job readiness, those are skills necessary to expose young people to so that game life is not the only way of life in those particular communities. So from that perspective, I think that that is absolutely an amazing program. It's what we've always done. We've always erected programs within communities to try to aid them and assist them on how to be better and not just succumb to your environment. My final perspective of this is we continue to keep trying to throw money at demonic (laughs) systems, and that's not going to work. Throwing money at a demonic system is going to fail. And here's where I get the demonic system from, because the mindset of, the, uh, of, of a true kingpin, they're influenced mm-hmm. by demonic activity. They don't want freedom. They don't want, they're not trying to take mm-hmm. that money no matter what, because they want to mm-hmm. see gun violence. They want to see killing. They want to see murder. They mm-hmm. want, it is ingrained in them. There is a stronghold. There is uh, mm-hmm. something that has a grip them that will not allow mm-hmm. for them to want to see that to happen. So we're throwing money at a, at a, at a demonic system, and we're still not going to find that it could completely cease. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 Lady Tamika, how, what do you think? Is this going to work? I'm going to have to, I, obviously, I'm going to have to get my uh, cheat sheet and, and, and keep it closer to my bosom because Elder Natisha stepped on everything that I was going to say. That's uh, <laughs> what we're talking about. Um, giving out resources just to, you know, uh, well, if you be good, you know, it's kind of one of those things where as a child, you know, um, some parents, you know, well, if you if you be if you're good all day, you can have pizza, or you can have, you know, it's kind of almost <laughs> as if a bribe to say, you know, sit sit, sit there mm-hmm. in the corner and do such and such. You know, it it, it 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 needs to be more than just providing a dollar. You know, mm-hmm. you, you need to be able to have access and and funds and and things that are erected so that there's constructive um, things that you can do as opposed to you know. Um, attacking our neighborhoods, our streets. You know, I I am aware of an area that um, is so prevalent with a a gang that um, the ladies, when they take their lunch, they tell you when you first start working there, don't go down this street, go down this street, don't take your purse with you. So, you know, this type of thing, I'm just trying to go get lunch. You know, I can't carry my purse. No, don't take your purse. Whatever it is that you need, Mm -hmm. just keep your dollars in your pocket because, there's a bicycle gang that's in that area, and as you're walking down the street, they're looking for whatever it is that, that they can take. 
you know. And so Mm -hmm. if you're just going to provide a dollar, it doesn't benefit. If you have Mm -hmm. um, erected a force, things that are constructive, you know, how to get from this point to another, you know, you think about people that have gotten to that area. Were they, did they have access to what they needed? You know, okay, it's easier for me to steal from you because, you know, it's so complicated for me to try to find a job. You know, you say, um, you know, there are jobs out there, but I don't have a computer. So now I'm not, I, I don't have access to a computer. I don't know how to type. You know, there's none of that stuff that's available. So I'm going to take from you to get what I need because it's too complicated for me to try to get from point A to point B. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as you ladies were talking, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought about a, a, a response in a story that one of the young men who used to come to the church upset that he told us about. So he had been in trouble, he joined the gang, all this, you know, stuff that he was doing, and he just kept staying in trouble. And his, he got arrested. I think. Yeah, I think he had gotten arrested. He said, and when he came home, he came here. And when he got here, I punched him in the chest. I was like, what are you doing? You know, and because I always say, when you come through this gate, you belong to me. And, you know, so I I punched him in the chest. And so, you know, asking me, you know, what's going on with you? What are you doing out here? Why are you in jail? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You're better than this, blah, 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 blah. And he said when he got arrested, his mother offered him a car (laughs) to be better, to do better. Mm. If if you do better, I'll give you a car. Uh, You know, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. She was scrambling to try to find ways to keep Mm -hmm. him, give him an incentive to stay on the right track. And he said he welcomed the punch in the chest and the hard talk over the the, the bribe. And I said Mm -hmm. that to say what you ladies are talking about. You know, are we going to have a package, a solid package that we offer these young people that will say, you know what, you've got this road or that road. You know, you've, you're you a gang member already, so you've kind of gotten a taste of this road. Which one do you want? We're going to offer you a packet. It's going to come with this this, this, and this, and give them a a, a complete picture. Mm-hmm. Put, you know, make, give them the mentors, the, the the people who used to be gang members, the ones who used to stay in trouble. You know, you always hear me talk about my, my surgeon, Dr. Satterfield. And the day I was in his office, and he said to me, he said, my father used to scratch his head. Because he used to say to me, what am I going to do with you? And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, what? Because I would have never imagined that he had that beginning. He said, I grew grew up in the projects, blah, 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 blah. He told me the story, and I almost fell out the chair because you would have never, ever, ever known that this was this man's beginnings. If you begin 
put people in their faces like this, put this solid action plan in front of them, then we begin to make a difference. But it's got to be a solid, hardcore plan. So like Elder Nightisha said, this stuff comes up all the time. But mm-hmm. are we going to take these millions of dollars that we're putting toward the asylum seekers and now put together a solid plan that's not going to – how many of these plans have died because they said there were no funds? How mm-hmm. many of these plans have started great and then a year or two in, you know, you see the, 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 the staff trickling off and you see they mm-hmm. start to hire, you know, the welfare recipients and the drug addicts and people like this because they can only afford to pay these salaries to these people and keep these people and now they halfway come to work and now they're not doing their job because they didn't have, you know, longevity and keeping a job and things like this and you know, yeah, you want to give these people a chance to work. I don't I don't have a problem with that. But again, the money had to go to them because so if we put together this solid plan, then maybe we'll have something really, really good and, and there's some longevity and these people, these kids don't see these plans come and go. So, yes, you know, can we do it? Yeah, we clearly can because there's money, but we're going to have to get a plan and stick to the program and let these kids see, you know, get these people involved. These people come from the hood. Listen, all four of us come from the hood. Mm-hmm. And not one of us grew up in, in, in Beverly Hills. <laughs> we all grew up from, and, and, right. and, and all of us are very successful women, whether we are women of God or not. We're very successful women yes. who can give the story from, if you will, rags to riches. Because everybody's yeah. beginning mm-hmm. was different. But yet mm-hmm. we all started mm-hmm. off in the hood. So if you yes. keep people like us in front of them who can encourage them, then put your people of God in the mix so that we can also have this extra padding to offer them, then then you'll begin to see these kids take a turn. But surely not just the dollar. Surely not just the dollar. No. So I, I just mm-hmm. uh, wanted to give you that little story to show that these kids want something more. How many of these kids have you heard say, well, you know what, you know, I, I just wanted somebody who cared. They, mm-hmm. they just want somebody to spend time with them. They, they, so if, if we do things like that, <laughs> Shanti says, what is $200 going to do? Well, listen, these sneakers cost more than $200. So <laughs> we know that if their head is not in the right place, that $200 is not going to last them anyway. So, oh, mm-hmm. well. Uh, all right. Well, the wow story. The wow <laughs> story. Uh, all right, Elder Natish, you got the first leg on the Connecticut Elementary School teacher who I believe is a math coach who not only masters in math, but she masters in martial arts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. And she thought that a martial arts class needed to be taught. And I honestly believe it's what Vivian said. It means to an end. (laughs) What's your thought, Elsa, that teacher? 
it, that we just got to be wise. Why aren't we using wisdom anymore? Like the Bible says, <laughs> wisdom is the principal thing. Why? I, I'm gonna need. I'm, I, I'm gonna need everybody to go and read Proverbs. How long, mm-hmm. simpletons, will you wallow in your simplicity? Like if we just okay. read Proverbs. We'd be okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I just, you know, um, I, I think, I think to education nowadays, it's not what we remember it to be. It is no, no. longer right. where teachers are, are going to school and they just are able to just teach their subjects. That's just not the truth. We've talked about this before on the show, that teachers, educators have to take on so many different hats now because children are coming in with so many different problems. They're coming in with so many different experiences. So now, how did we get to martial arts, math teacher? I don't know, but we've got to figure out. But but we but, but we have to be the adults. Oh we have we have to be the adults. We have to use wisdom, and then we have to also be the ones to know when we may need to step out the room for a minute. So before oh, I put you right. in the cold and say, you know what? <clears throat> the next time a bully, the next time a bully, right? Because perhaps there was a conversation about being bullied, and so she said, "Well, come, you know what? Because I feel like y'all are bullying me right now. Let me show you how it's done." <laughs> Teacher. He's a dean, you know, but 
he has a responsibility to these students. You know, they're, they're literally coming to him with issues that we didn't have when we were in school. These, these concepts and things that they're going through at home that they're bringing to the school, they don't detach when they come to school. All of the things that they're going through at home, in their neighborhood, they're bringing it with them. And how do we address all of these concerns? However, as a teacher, come on, you know your knowledge. You know what you're supposed to do. You also know what you're not supposed to do. And this teacher not only chokes one person, but a couple of people. And then until they pass out. So I'm going to watch you literally turn blue. I'm literally watching the air leave your body. So, you know, that takes a lot. And so what point do you decide not just to walk out of the room, but maybe you need to find another place of of work that that benefits you because this 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 is crazy. This is really, really crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. You know, Minister Michelle, I would like to think that maybe the three children that were demonstrated on were the three that really got on her nerve and you know, she (laughs) went away. With this up, you know what? I, I think you really, I really need to help you understand, you know, how you can really combat someone possibly bullying you. You know, when we went to school, you like, like Lady Tamika said, whether the class lesson bored you or not, that's what they taught. If it bored them, that's what they taught. They did not move outside of the curriculum. What have we arrived? Where have we arrived now? <laughs> you know, I was thinking, oh my God, I would I wouldn't last in a school for five minutes. You know what? The environment that a lot of these children are coming from. Oh my Lord, I know it's sad, it's hurtful, and they're bringing a lot of things to the school, but also. Think about it. Some of these teachers, God only knows what they're dealing with at home. So right. they're bringing mm-hmm. all of their stuff mm-hmm. to the classroom mm-hmm. and dealing with a whole lot. So, you know, the two of them meet together. You get the teachers on her little mental issue, and then you have the children that they're dealing with this. And when those two things meet together, my God, it's combusted. So I can understand how it seems like this teacher must have had some type of mental break for those for that moment. And she's probably been leading up to it. And then that day she was just like, I'm choking everybody out. I don't care who it is. And you get a choke on. You get a choke on. You get a choke on. training for police, I think now we got to do it for the teachers as well. They've got to have some type of sensitivity program to help them in uh, uh, therapy sessions, give them something, because they're obviously dealing with a lot. And, you know, I, it's, I feel for them because some of the children are so disrespectful, but then after but then yes. you go back and try to talk to the parent, the parent is just as nasty. They threaten yep. the teachers. Right, I mean, so right, right. all of this. So you know, there's got to, we've got to get more help for our teachers um, because they're drowning out there. And then, of course, they're not getting paid what they should be paid. So it's just right. uh, a mess here. But I feel for the woman. 
you know, but I hope that they took her out the classroom immediately, you know, and I hope Well, she's in jail. Well, oh, she's she in jail on a $20,000 bond, so yeah, they took her out. Lord have mercy. I mean, but it's just sad because the the spirit that is operating in this world right now, you know, we gotta mm-hmm. go back to right behind the right. stage. You know, we don't wrestle this flesh and blood, mm-hmm. you know. So it's right. that spirit that is permeating throughout this earth, you know, it's this mayhem. You know, the Bible talks about how Satan is seeking whom he may devour. You know, and that that's spirit that's right. loose. You know, he's right. trying to kill, mm-hmm. steal, and destroy. He's on his job. That's right. And you see it in right. every vicissitude right. of life, how he's coming. Right. So, you know, if we want to take it back to the church, it's time for us to really get on our job and start moving in these areas and taking control in the spirit realm, you know, mm-hmm. and then that mm-hmm. way we can start seeing some things manifest in the natural. But it is a spirit mm-hmm. issue. and. You know, when I, I don't care how much you throw money at things and all that, until mm-hmm. you attack that spirit, until right. mm-hmm. the body of Christ, we come together, get out of all the traditionalism, religiosity, and all that type of stuff, and come in the spirit realm and come against these things, we're not going to see the effects that mm-hmm. should be going on. Mm-hmm. We're just not going to see it. And unfortunately... We're living in such a world right now that people don't believe that there's that the spirits really operate. You know, everybody's talking about mm-hmm. the universe, the universe, the universe, this, and nobody is thinking there's a God. There are spirits out here that are lurking and wrecking right. havoc. So you Absolutely. know, we've got to change the conversation even in our churches as we're dealing uh, with these situations. No, it's right there. Stop right there, Minister Michelle. Stop right there because you walk right into where we're going, and you're going to have the second leg. So give give you an opportunity to continue what you're saying. Uh, So, ladies, thank you so much for, you know, uh, indulging me in our news and and Vivian's socially conscious segment. Thank you for the laugh this morning because we surely needed that. But, you know, we're going to continue. We have a little while before Pastor Charlotte comes on. Uh, continuing our conversation regarding, you know, why people are leaving the church. And, Minister Michelle, you walked right into something because I, mm. I looked at the points, and one of the points that I wanted to talk about today, since we don't have time to go over each and every one that's left, was, you know, people say that they they cannot find a church that meets their need. And mm-hmm. the reason why I was going to this one, and, and when you started talking, I was like, oh, no, 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 we, 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 we're walking right into that. Because look at the needs the people have. The needs that the, we just got finished saying, the needs that the children have now, we didn't have those needs then. The things no. that the teachers mm-hmm. are enduring now, the teachers back then did not endure. You were talking about, we've had on here the six-year-old who brought the gun to school and shot the teacher, the five-year-old who mm-hmm. brought the knife to school who said that he wanted to stab the teachers and the students in their hearts because that's what he watched Chucky do or on the movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. people are saying that, you know, they <laughs> couldn't find a church that met their need, 
again, with all the spirits that are lurking around out here, are they going to find a church that meets their need? Do we have what meets their needs in the church? Are they going to stick around long enough to Mm. get their needs met? Lady Tamika, what are we talking about here? Is the church doing its job? I remember uh, back in the day when (laughs) Big Mama and um, I don't care who you were, (laughs) Mm -hmm. didn't matter how you were dressed, didn't matter what you said and who you came with. That's right. Doing, saying, touching, praying, touching. You know, we, we, we are at a point now, the pandemic, you know, let's just be honest, has caused some concerns with people until Sometimes when you come in, they don't even speak anymore. You know, yes. you get into a place, a new yep. place, and they have on a mask, and you sitting back in the corner, no one has addressed you. You have to come mm-hmm. at yeah. least four or five times before you even get acknowledged. Ah, you get in, Jesus. they got to take your temperature. They got to take your temperature and see what your temperature is. And then they tell you, you know, I, I have not. I, they tell you, go sit back here. Behind this, uh, what is this? Uh, they have a, a section uh, assigned off for people who've never been there before. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how are we addressing the needs of people when right. I'm hurting, I'm wounded, and all all I might just need that particular day is somebody just to acknowledge me. You ain't even got a hug. Right. Can you look at me for more than five seconds? You know, right. as mm. opposed to, oh, mm. you open the door and I walk past you mm. and then you go talk to sister, sister so, so-and-so who is a member of your church. How are we addressing right. the needs of the people when we're not even acknowledging them as they come through the door? Right. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, Minister Michelle, mm. you know, we just got finished talking about four stories, four stories where people's needs need to be addressed. We talked about the asylum seekers who are coming here in droves. What are we offering them? We're talking about the teachers who are in school, who they got their own problems, and they're taking on the problems of, of, of rotating classes and rotating children. Are we meeting their needs? We're talking about the people who are going in the store, who are robbing, and the people who are on that and receiving them, and they have to go through what to get the people to even buy a bag of chips. You know, we just talked about four stories where there are needs that need to be met, uh, is the church meeting the need of the people? I would say that the, I, I, some churches, I believe that they are trying to meet the needs of the people. You know, they're trying to uh, feed them and they're trying to deal with some of their mental issues. There are some churches out there because I know a couple of them that are trying to do it, but the mass majority of the churches, they're not really doing that because a lot of times they're overwhelmed with things that are going on within their churches. And mm-hmm. sometimes the pastors are overwhelmed and they're dealing with so many crises of their own and uh, they're mo- moving from a place of fear a lot of times because they have so much going on and they're afraid to even step out on God and his word and um the Lord's promises, they're afraid to move in that. And so if the head, when we're looking at our pastors, if the pastors are not in a place and a position that they can hear the voice of God to give them direction, give them wisdom 
on how to address their congregation and their community that they're in, how in the world are they going are they going to meet the needs of the people? And I'm seeing that more and more that our churches, our pastors are failing because they've lost something in translation here with what their position is and their uh, relationship with the Father. And you cannot negate that you have to have a relationship with God. It's, you know, the churches, uh, you know, have become so much big business, you know. Um, I got to have me a marketing uh, strategist. I got to have somebody that's going to do all of my PR, and they made it a business. You have literally these guys coming out of college saying, oh, oh, well, my profession, I'm going to be a pastor, da, 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 da. And so they're not coming from the perspective of I've been called and anointed by God. And so they're stepping into these churches, and they're seeing dollar signs, I hate to say it. They're seeing people as, oh, this is a transaction versus right, this is a right. total, this is somebody that needs to be ministered to. You know, I've got to look at the type of people that are coming into my church, and i got to assess their needs and see what we can do. God, give me the wisdom. Show me what to do. Now, if we had more of that going on, I believe that the needs of the people would be met because, listen, God will tell you just what to do and how to solve a situation. If you employ him, if you say, Lord, give me directions, you know. So I'm seeing more and more that a lot of the pastors are so far off the game here that they're not being led by God. But those that are, you see a difference in their congregation. You see people coming up. They may came in one way, and over a course of time, you see that they're growing. They're getting better. Their mental states, all of these things are happening, but none of that will happen unless I feel like the pastor takes a hold of himself and starts saying, wait a minute, Lord, you've got to show me how to minister to these people and be the right shepherd that I need to be to meet the needs of our congregation. And I just feel Absolutely. there's got to be some change here. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Elder Tisha. You know, we there are many, 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 you know, years ago when you went to church, you know, church was one way. <laughs> church was one way. People were different when they went to church. Now we have a complete different dynamic of the way churches run and a complete different group of people who are coming into the church. You know, mm. Is, is 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 this now being fused properly? Are we getting done what we need to get done as a church? No. <laughs> um, the, the, nice and the, short um, and sweet. Right. The message the message remains the same while methodology while methodology changes. We get mm-hmm. we are supposed to be a relevant institution that meets the needs of people, but our message is to remain the same. My testimony mm-hmm. is that is that I was living with a drug dealer. I took the, the gun that was in my home while living with the drug dealer and had every intention of blowing my brains out. But I sat in the back of a church because my grandmother mm-hmm. had made me go to church. And so I mm-hmm. went. And I sat in the back of the church with the gun in my pocketbook. And I sat in the back of the church. And it was the mother of the church 
that Mm -hmm. walk to the back of the church that begin to prophesy to me and pray for me and she moved in the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, in the yes, power yes. of God to speak yes. to my heart, to speak to my mind, and to cast out amen. everything that was happening in me. And she specifically amen. said, give me the gun. And that is mm-hmm. my testimony. And I wow. will never forget it because here is what the problem is. We're trying to meet the needs of people by natural means. We yes, now become yes. these outreach-oriented ministries, Amen. which is necessary because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. So it is necessary. Right. But in doing that, we forgot the assignment. We forgot our mission. Amen. Our mission Amen. is about the transforming of minds and souls. Amen. Our mission yes. is to spread the good yep. news, the gospel message of all that was accomplished on Calvary for the winning of that soul and that is done by way of the spirit and so our Mm -hmm. churches have become so mission oriented that we forgot the commission the great commission of Jesus Christ and so Mm -hmm. the power of God the power the anointing Mm -hmm. of God Mm -hmm. is what is missing in our churches the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit moving in Mm -hmm. our churches that is what meets the need that's the need. Because if you give me bread, you give me bread, you give me water, you give me vegetables, you give me everything that I need naturally, I'm grateful. But the void yes. in my soul still exists. The Amen. void in my heart still exists. My broken heart still exists. My, my, my father wounds, my mommy wounds, they all still exist. Amen. And I go back to poverty or impoverished situation, and yes, thank you. You've helped me, which you are supposed to do. Jesus, the incarnate one, moved into the neighborhood. That's what the incarnation is all about, that this heavenly father comes from heaven and he comes down to earth. He comes to where we are. So, yes, our outreach is necessary, but it is not to be, uh, it's not to supersede the need for the spirit of God to fill the house because ultimately that is what meets the need. And I do not see in today that there is a focus on the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the anointing of God moving in our churches. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 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 You know, uh, before we go, you know, we have a, we have like a minute (laughs) We have a minute, and I want to give you ladies an opportunity to speak to our listeners. And we're going to start with you, Lady Tamika, since your time is, is the shortest. You know, speak to the individual who who is the 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 elder Nitisha who is walking into the church with a gun. And that gun can be a many a different things. Mm-hmm. You know, that gun in his or her possession and they're walking into a church who is ready to minister to their need. And what 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 do you do? What do you say? What what what, what or, or they haven't gotten to the church. They need to get to the church. And you want to encourage them to go to the church. What do you say to them? I would say that it's the isolation that can comfort you 
but not in a way that you think. In, in an actuality, staying home is the doorway to your degradation. So don't stop seeking. Mm-hmm. Don't stop looking. What you, the essence Amen. of what you need is there. You just have to find mm-hmm. it. And I would say Amen. don't stop going Amen. until you find what it is. You know, if it's not in that place, then find it someplace else. But don't stop seeking because what ends up happening is that at, when you're at, at, at home and you're alone, the enemy talks to you and he knows your language. He knows the heart of that area that can make you worse than where you are. And so, you know, it, it's Amen. not in Amen. the, the Amen. place that you're – it's not in the place where you are, you know, but it's the place where you need to be. So don't keep – don't stay at home. Keep looking for whatever it is that you need until you find it because trust and believe. When you least expect it, that place that you've been walking past over and over is right there. And nine times out of ten, it's accessible. And even if it's not, go and push until you find it. Don't stop until you find it. Go up underneath uh, uh, an area where, where, you know, go down the street to an area that you may not necessarily frequent just to see. Try it out. Don't give up. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Elder Natisha, you know, I want mm-hmm. you to speak to the you that is, is floating around out here. You know, someone who mm-hmm. used to be who you used to be. And, you know, you had grandma, you had grandma that, that said, listen, you going. But how, we, we talked about the, the fall of grandmas. You know, they're no, the, the grandmas are not out here like they used to be, so we can't rely on them to do what they used to do. So we've got one minute to speak to those individuals that are walking around with that loaded gun ready to end it all. What do you say to them? Yeah, I call your attention. To, I call your attention to a story in the Gospel according to John. There was a Samaritan woman, and the Bible says that Jesus had need to go through Samaria. His need to go through there was because he wanted to encounter and to meet this woman that was not inside of a church, but that was she was bringing her brokenness to a well in order to get water. And Jesus encounters this woman there, and he begins to in, interact with her. He speaks to her. He doesn't allow just the superficial conversation to just end their interaction, but he digs deeper into her to understand her because he wanted to expose that there was a deeper need than just the symptoms that she was displaying. I would say to those of you, one, who are walking around and you're carrying this, I want you to know that Jesus has no problem to coming to where you are and meeting the need. He can come to you right now. Right now, as you are listening, no matter where you are, if you're in your living room, if you are in your bedroom, Jesus can come to you right there where you are, and he wants to have a conversation with you. But you have to be open to, his, to the awareness that he is knocking at the door of your heart. And when he knocks, you have to be the one to open it, to expose yourself to him so that he's able to deal with the things that are causing you the hurt, the things that are causing you the pain. So, yes, the Bible says gather, do not forsake the gathering. Yes, church is the place where we can go to be strengthened and grow in our faith. But I want you to know that we serve a God 
who will come right to where you are. You can receive him right now. Right now. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Minister Michelle, you know, yes. we've spoken to those who are walking around lost, who need to be found. But now we're going to speak to that pastor who has not quite done what he or she has needed to do for many a reason. And we don't know why. We don't know why. But I want you to speak to them and encourage them to to get out there and and get to those individuals who Lady Tamika and Elder Nitisha just got finished speaking to. What are you saying to them? Got one minute. Mm-hmm. Well, first I want to say, Pastor, If you don't feel loved, I love you. But more importantly, God loves you. Even though you may have felt that I've not done the best that I could do, I've let this and that get in the way, I want you to know that God loves you unconditionally. And he is waiting for you to come into his presence and let him so fill you with his spirit, a refreshing, a renewing of your mind that he can empower you to go back Amen. out there and start doing the work that he's called you to do. You know mm-hmm. that he's called you for a work for such a time as this. You know mm-hmm. that there is an anointing that you were operating in. But unfortunately, yes, you let some things get in the way. But I don't want you to feel ashamed, condemned, embarrassed for what has happened. That's over. I forgive you. It's done. Now come on and rise up. And let me give you the power and, and give you that, uh, that, that anointing stronger than ever that you can move in what you have been called to do. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Rise up, my brother. I love you. Amen, amen, amen. Ladies, you have done a phenomenal job this morning. Your ministries have been very powerful, and we give God thanks for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Have Amen. a blessed day, Thank you. Amen. Blessings to you. Love you. Love you too. Thank you, ladies. Thank Love you. you. Love you too. Uh, Pastor Charlene, it's time for you to put that icing on that cake. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. How are you, my dear? I am well, thank you. I'm well. Praying that you're doing the same. Amen. Amen. Ooh, what power in the tongue this morning that we're speaking to this, you know, this, this community who's listening and who's going to hear you know, such wonderful, and who have heard, who's heard such wonderful, wonderful words of encouragement and love. And, you know, there's a manner of fear that both sides are walking in. So, you know, uh, Minister Michelle spoke to the pastor who is broken, who's broken by life and situation and circumstance and has lost the fuel and the steam to get out there and and get to those people who Elder Natisha and Lady Tamika spoke to. 
and and there's a fear that people won't be blessed by what they have. Encourage that individual right now and let them know that they cannot walk in that level of fear, that they've got to move into a, 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 a path of faith. Absolutely. One of the things, um, as everyone was talking, thank you, ladies, um, because it made me have flashback of I had spoke one time when there was a person that was walking past the church that at the time that I was in, and I did not know that they was on their way to commit suicide. And it made me think of how when they, I said, oh, just come in. And they was like, no, no, no. And I was like, just come in because they was listening to it at the time they were singing. And they, and the, you know, of course, music always draw in. So it made me think of people who are walking by, just walking by the, the, the door of the church as you're ministering, as you're singing, as you're um, uh, just having conversation, you know, and how we miss that person who is walking by because we're so busy in the four door, in the four walls, and have the door closed, um, where we don't go back outside and out here of those that we have never encountered with, that we have never had the opportunity to talk to. And I remember on Tuesdays when I had the building in the Bronx, I used to go up there on Tuesday and put a chair outside. And as people walked by, they'd be like, hi, Pastor, how you doing? And I would sit, you know, and I would have them come and sit with me and just have a conversation of people that I did not know that was just in the community. So I thought about the needs when you were talking about the needs of the people. One, we got to show the love. And we have to be able because, one, the people out here in the world are laughing at us as the body of Christ because they see the church people are fighting each other physically. Um, the church people are talking about each other. You know, so they're hearing all of this. They're seeing all these things. But I agree with Minister, I think her name is Minister Michelle, when she was saying how everybody is not like that. Everybody of, of, of the body of Christ is not the same. So we have to get past that, oh, I already know what you're about. No, you don't know me until you sit and have a conversation with me. To show the love, not just in, as it was stated, of just feeding, clothing, come and see about you, you know, but sit down, have that one-on-one, -on -one. that person that is sitting in the park, because God will lead you. And we have the spiritual discernment of that person to go. I was that person that sat in the church in the back that nobody wanted to talk to. I was that person that was sitting outside and, and church people are walking around me and never said hello, never smile, never put their hand up and say hello, you know, just away from afar. I remember that. And that was one of the things that in the ministry that I knew that I had to teach because I watch how people come in and how the church people don't speak. So for you to, oh, I'm already broken. I'm already feeling some kind of way about myself. People have said things about me. And here you go, supposed to know God and shouting and talking in tongues and you don't even have time to sit and have a conversation with me to ask my, to, to, for me to help. 
for you to be able to help me in my needs, show me where I can go and get a meal. It's nice that we see people uh, doing different holidays or go out there once a week, but what about the other days? And so where I am broken, I come to you, and I need your help. I come to you. Tell me where I can go and get some medical uh, issues uh, made, you know, for them to help to help me. Show me what else can I do. Don't just keep preaching and then you forget about me. And that's one of the things that we do. You see the mother that's always around and you see she got a bunch of kids. Maybe that day you could say, hey, you know what? Here, I got something for all your children. Here, here's a few dollars to put in your pocket to help you. Now you even, uh, you know, making a relationship with that person and where that you're able to draw. Can we do all? No, we can't do all. But if we do one at a time, and as many people who confess of Christ, take one person and being able to guide and lead them and show God's love, we'll be able to tear down what the enemy has had for them. We're able to show them. A lot of people say, oh, you know, I don't know how to pray. Oh, it don't take all of that. Okay, you know what? You might not know how to pray like me, but this is what you do. Just sit and have a conversation with the Lord. Show them. Give them baby steps. Show them how to. And sometimes you can't just beat them in the head. And that's what we do. So I'm encouraging y'all that's out there that might not know or those that might do know and have fell by the wayside in our own situations, because that happens too. In our own situations, put you on the side. Know that we have work to do. Go and talk to that one, that, that soul that is lost. We had a young lady that came in. We ain't seen her in months. Months, months, and she came in with her baby, and she had went back out there in the street. I can't tell you. when I saw her walk through the door, and it starts up in the pulpit to show the love of people. It starts there. For me, service was done. I couldn't stop hollering, thanking God for this young lady to walk back in the building. And you know her story. Celebrate her, regardless of whatever happened. She's back. She's back. We ain't got to ask her, where you been? She's back. Show her the love to keep her back, for her to be able to still call on the Lord. And that was my thing. Call on the Lord. You got to be able to call on him, but you got to surround yourself with people. Trust God. God is going to do it. We all can think of people in our own lives, our children. It could be our spouse. It could be our mother, father. It could be anybody. Trust God. Have that faith and know that he's bringing them back home. That this year, he's bringing, he's doing miracles. He is showing up and showing out. See the little things. So the people that's out here in this world, there's a way. We got to be able to draw them in. Yes, feed them, draw them in. Make it a regular, draw them in. Being able to show them that you have the love of God. 
You know, because they always say, oh, you know, you pastors, y'all ain't got nothing going on. Yes, we do. We bleed like you. We got issues like you. But you got to put yours on the back burner and draw them in. And it starts at the top. And that's the pastor that's sitting in that seat. So God be able to sit more and draw in more. And that's what we got to do. Get out there. Tell your testimony. And that's how you draw them in. Amen. Amen. Ooh, Pastor Charlotte. Amen. What an icing on that cake today. We give God thanks for your your faith over fear encouragement. And we pray that God will continue to bless you and that you would have a very, very blessed day. Thank you. You do the same. Bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Ah, that benediction. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Hmm. So much has been said here today. So much has been said to encourage, to support. And, you know, it's like, what do you say in a closing where the women who, you know, the women of God who have spoken today have been so powerful? What do you say? Well, I say that I will to speak to everyone, both sides of the fence. This, this this life that we live is 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 a lot different than the life of pastors you know from before the lives of people you know the enemy understands that his time is shorter and shorter and he is you know he's out here with a vengeance and he has turned this world up. We Everywhere we look, everywhere we look is a challenge. There's a challenge in our spouses. There's a challenge in, in our children. There's a challenge at our workplace. There's a challenge in the church. There's a challenge in the extended family. There's a challenge at the store. You know, there's a, there's a challenge for our, in, in our health. There's a challenge everywhere we turn. And and the best thing that I can think of is to remember that there is God. I don't even want to say there is a God. I want to say that there is God. That this God will meet you wherever you are in your life. This God understands everything you're going through. This God has offered up his own son so that you may have a right to the tree of life in a world that is turned up by the enemy. That this God has offered himself as a relief for anything that you're enduring. That this God as, as Elder Natisha said, whether you have made it to the church building 
or whether you can't even move because you are paralyzed with pain, whether that's mental pain, emotional pain, or physical pain. You are in pain. Regardless of where you sit, that, I mean, that same God that every one of us we've spoken about today, that one God, we've only talked about one God here, and look how broad this God is, the almighty God. We've only spoken about one God, and I don't want I, I to disrespect God and say there is a God. Because it makes it seem like there's a whole bunch out there, but you, if you look through all of them, you'll find it. And I, I, and I know, you know, in a sense, you can look at it that way, but I want to, you know, get to the point where I'm saying, no, no, no. I want to talk about this particular God that we've all been talking about today, that whether you are in the pulpit or in the pew, he got you. Whether you're in the pulpit or in the pew, he understands. There is nothing that either side experiences that he doesn't get. And we talked about, you know, the teacher who now is bringing his or her own issues into the classroom and the child who's bringing, you know, his own issue into the, into the classroom. That's the same way the church operates. That you're not speaking to your pastor or this particular pastor and this pastor does not have a life of of their own. And we don't understand how complex it is or, you know, uh, how easy or hard they may have it. But we have to lay out everything we have and put it on the side, like Pastor Charlotte said, so that we meet your need and trust the strength of God. Last week, Elder Natisha said, you know, I said to God that I keep showing up. Did you hear what she just said? She said, I just keep showing up. Regardless of what's going on in, with my own girls, I just keep showing up for everybody else. Because that's the way we have to operate. We have to operate as though there's nothing going on in our own home. As though our own marriages are intact. As so our own income and bills are paid, we have to trust God. And we have to put that on the side and let God do his job in our life while we work on behalf of you. And, you know, last night when I was talking to the Stokes, you know, I said to them, I said, you know, people just give this open, can you pray for me? And I said, no. I don't. I do not approach God like that. I need you to speak to God. I need you to first tell me. Just give me something to take to God, and that's what you need to do. Give something to take to God that God knows this is what's going on. He already knows. We already got that. But you have to speak that. You have to let God know that I trust you, and in turn, He will do His job all the time be encouraged you've been listening to it's due time with pastor Steph. join us monday through friday from 7 a.m to 9 a.m where we discuss matters of the heart mind and spirit as you go through your day be sure to set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth because they will only serve as a distraction remember prayer changes things 
It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, woo, who have come through once again. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Please do not miss this opportunity to accept Christ in your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.